if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Yes, indeed, it is. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us on AM 1420. The Answer. It's eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Wednesday, the 13th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord 2021. Impeachment round two is in full swing. It is disgusting. It is deplorable. It is repugnant. It is reprehensible. And yet it is Democrat politics in 2021. Sadly, my friends, I start today by also acknowledging this. It is also Republican politics in 2021. The Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, who has been largely supportive of President Trump's policies and largely defensive of the president when allegations and accusations and witch hunts have been carried out against him. Mitch McConnell has flipped. The Senate Majority Leader, according to multiple reports, is leaning toward um, impeaching Donald Trump and removing him via Senate trial. Better than 50-50 chance, according to insiders, that Mitch McConnell would vote to convict President Trump in an impeachment trial. This according to Axios, but also several other news outlets. Senate institutional loyalists are fomenting a counter-revolution to Trump, said a top Republican close to Mitch McConnell. Why does that matter? Well, because it represents one of the most shocking turns and flips and damning votes in the history of American politics. That's why. Um, A vote to convict, rather an actual conviction with the number with the correct number of votes to remove Donald Trump from office even if it is after he is already out of office would prohibit him from running for president again many of these insiders say that's the goal here it isn't just to punish him for perceived uh, mistakes or incitements to violence etc which are absolute nonsense it is uh, to basically rid the party of the Trump influence so that he can't be hanging around in 2021 and 2022 talking about how he's going to run again in 2024 and bringing his massive base of 70 some you know million voters along with him when the party wants to move on from him so that's what this is most likely about an anti-trump infection it's being called by some is spreading among capitol hill republicans 
House Republican Conference Chair Liz Cheney of Wyoming, that's the third-ranking House GOP leader, uh, and a huge voice for the establishment, said she will vote in the House to impeach Trump. She said of the riot on Capitol Hill last Wednesday, one week ago today, there has never been a greater betrayal by a president of the United States of his office and his oath to the Constitution. End quote. Well, Liz Cheney is now dead to me as a politician. Not that I was ever a big fan anyway, but that was ridiculous and wholly unsupported and unsubstantiated by the facts. The New York Times reported that McConnell told associates he believes the president committed impeachable offenses and is pleased that Democrats are moving to impeach him. McConnell sees this fight as his legacy, defending the Senate and the institution of the Senate against the verbal attacks of the president and, quote, the literal attack of his, meaning McConnell's, followers. So we have... we have easily crossed the rubicon now we have we have gone into uncharted waters the senate majority leader has turned on the president and agrees with house and senate democrats that the president should be impeached and indeed articles were um, introduced yesterday and today right now as a matter of fact nine o'clock this morning they were scheduled to take their vote and yes they have enough votes in the house to send that article to the senate for a trial now some House Republicans are doing everything they can to head off such a vote and such a decision. They are at least talking about censure. Some House Republicans are saying the president should not be impeached, but because of the way things turned out on uh, Jan- January 6th at the Capitol, there should be a censure. Hold the president fully and unequivocally accountable for his actions, they say, simultaneously calming and healing the fever pitch tensions in the country now. That's what some are saying. Democrat Rep. Eleanor Holmes Norton uh, from D.C. supports censuring the president rather than the drastic measure of impeachment. Joe Manchin, I told you yesterday, Democrat from uh, West Virginia, but considers himself a conservative Democrat, said the move to impeach the president was ill-advised. Now, the odds are pretty strong that even if this does go to an impeachment by the House and a trial in the Senate, which could not be conducted until after the president is already out of office, um, it, it kind of goes, I shouldn't say it goes without saying, it, it's very likely they would not have enough votes to, to, to do that anyway. It is also extraordinarily likely that they don't have constitutional standing to do this. Hugh Hewitt this morning laid it out by way of Judge J. Michael Ludig laying it out in an op-ed. Judge Ludig was a U.S. federal judge, U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit from 1991 to 2006. He was also on the short list for uh, Supreme Court nominations from George W. Bush back in the early part of this century. So Judge Ludig is speaking simply not with opinion, but with the Constitution in front of him. And he said that simply the president cannot be impeached after he is already gone. Quote, in his op-ed, which ran in the Washington Post, the sequencing of the House impeachment proceedings before Trump's departure from office and the inauguration of the new president, followed by a Senate impeachment trial, perhaps months later, raises the question of whether a former president can be impeached after he leaves office. The Constitution itself answers this question clearly. Ludig wrote, no, he cannot be. 
Once Trump's term ends on January 20, Congress loses its constitutional authority to continue impeachment proceedings against him, even if the House has already approved articles of impeachment. Therefore, if the House were to impeach the president after he leaves office, the Senate could not thereafter convict the former president and disqualify him under the Constitution from future public office. The reason for this is found in the Constitution itself. Trump would no longer be incumbent in the office of the president at the time of the delayed Senate proceedings and would no longer be subject to impeachment conviction by the Senate under the Constitution's impeachment clauses which is to say that the Senate's only power under the Constitution is to convict, or not, an incumbent president. An incumbent president, which he would not be after January 20th, or one week from today. So that's the the nuts and bolts of it. What does it all really mean? It means, and President Trump spoke on this yesterday, breaking his silence, since he went down to the um, southern border to give a speech on the uh, incredible success of the border wall, he finally also spoke on impeachment and said this, and he's right, he said this is just a continuation of what they tried to do to him before he even took office. And when he took office, a continuation of the witch hunt. On the impeachment, it's really a continuation of the greatest witch hunt in the history of politics. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. This impeachment is causing tremendous anger. And you're doing it, and it's really a terrible thing that they're doing. And I always hate when they do those little uh, press conferences uh, outside of uh, the the helicopter that's taking him to the airport. But they do it all the time, and that's why you get that noise. My apologies. Once he got to the border wall, he was much more clear. And I want you to listen as he spoke about not only the border wall, but he spoke specifically of the attempt to remove him by some unconstitutional means or another, whether it be impeachment or the 25th Amendment which provides the Congress an opportunity to remove a president for being incapacitated and unable to fulfill his duties. We know the left has been stretching that for four years, trying to say that just means making decisions we don't like. He's incapacitated because we don't like the things that he stands for and the things that he wants to do. Uh, So the president spoke to the 25th Amendment down at the border wall yesterday. We're joined together to celebrate a great achievement, the extraordinarily successful building of the wall on the southern border. Before we begin, I'd like to say that free speech is under assault like never before. The 25th Amendment is of zero risk to me, but will come back to haunt Joe Biden and the Biden administration. As the expression goes, be careful what you wish for. The impeachment hoax is a continuation of the greatest and most vicious witch hunt in the history of our country and is causing tremendous anger and division and pain far greater than most people will ever understand, which is very dangerous for the USA, especially at this very tender time. That's an interesting phrasing. It is a very tender time. It is a very dangerous time in this country for them to be playing these ridiculous partisan games. But he is right. Those of us who continue to, A, defend the president against phony charges that he incited violence or an insurrection, and those of us who believe that this man has been persecuted long before anything like what happened on January 6th ever happened, no, we know 
that this is nothing more than what they planned before he was actually inaugurated. Do you recall, I bring this up from time to time, do you recall the front page of the Washington Post on January 20th, 2017? January 20th, 2017 is when the president was inaugurated. And that's when the headline in the Washington Post read, Impeachment Begins Now. So nothing, and I do mean nothing, that Donald Trump could have done for four years was done with any support or any fairness or objectivity provided him by the media, which ginned up anger against him by so many Americans, maybe even non-Democrats, maybe even Republicans, maybe even uh, uh, centrists, they started to try to remove him from office from the time he was inaugurated. And they did through the Russian collusion, which, which, by the way, it should not be lost upon any of us, was the left refusing to accept the results of the 2016 election. They're hand-wringing now, teeth-gnashing and pearl-clutching over Donald Trump and his supporters' refusal to accept the results of the 2020 election because of a variety of things which we've talked about ad nauseum. But they themselves excused themselves for refusing to accept the results of the 2016 election, saying it was fraudulent. They said it was election fraud. They said the Russians interfered, and the Russians are the reasons Donald Trump was uh, president. So the irony of that is just so thick, and yet they don't understand it or see it. And it's important that we recognize it. They did not accept Donald Trump's election. They spent four years trying to nullify that election, and since they couldn't nullify it, they spent the rest of their time trying to end his presidency before his first term was out. And I find it striking, and I find it scary, quite frankly, terrifying, that on January 17th, or a big pardon, January 20th, 2017, Donald Trump's first day in office, the fight to impeach him began, and they're going to carry that out through January 20th, 2021. Literally, one week from today, January 20th, they will be continuing a fight to impeach Donald Trump. They spent from pillar to post, from stem to stern, from beginning to end, from alpha to omega, trying to impeach this man. You tell me it's because of anything he did, I'd call you a liar. It's because of things that he says and because of things that he he looks like and the personality that he shares and that he and that he puts out there, puts forth forth to the people. They hated him and his style from the beginning, long before anything that could potentially be considered impeachable could ever have been done. That's how that's how much they believe in this. They don't believe in the idea that he incited an insurrection any more than you or I do. But they hate him so much, they're going to do everything they can to erase his presidency. And considering the fact that the left writes the history books, that is exactly what they're going to be successful at doing. They're going to erase the economy. They're going to erase Middle East peace. They're going to erase bringing troops home. They're going to erase lower taxes. They're going to erase border security. They're going to erase all of the incredible accomplishments this president has been able to do in the face of all of the unprecedented obstruction. They're going to wipe it out of the history books. All right, uh, 216 Those are the numbers to join me. It's 22 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. We'll be right back. Destination unknown. Fellow cross messenger all alone. 
926 uh, on AM 1420, The Answer. So um, I want to share with you a little bit of an example of what I'm talking about when I tell you this impeachment has nothing to do with the Capitol riot of one week ago today. Had nothing to do with that storming of the Capitol building and all of the crimes that were committed inside. Nothing. This is about destroying Donald Trump at the end of his presidency because they started out trying to destroy him at the beginning of his presidency. It is about a personality. It is about a man they despise, not about criminal actions, much less impeachable actions that they say he committed. This is Representative Jason Crow on, of all places, of course, uh, CNN. Listen. Yeah, he will be impeached twice uh, because he needs to be impeached twice. You know, uh, we know very well who Donald Trump is at this point. Uh, he is a violent and unstable man. Uh, we've actually known that for years. If people have been paying attention, uh, they could have seen that we were heading in this direction. Uh, so this is less of a story about Donald Trump at this point than it is about his enablers. You know, those around him, uh, members of Congress, his inner circle, who should know better, and in many cases do know better, uh, as they tell me behind closed doors, but haven't been willing to check him. This is, he needs to be impeached twice because, or excuse me, he will be impeached twice, twice because he needs to be impeached twice. You know who Donald Trump is. We've known this for years. In other words, this is just the continuation This is just the culmination of what they started long before anybody ever heard of a Trump Capitol Hill rally gone, gone crazy, gone, gone, uh, 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 wild and rioting. They have, this has nothing to do with that, especially considering the fact that he did nothing to foment a violent act. He told his supporters to peacefully and patriotically cheer for our senators. Go make your voices be heard. Voices. That's it. Voices. Nothing more and nothing less. Despite the fact that, you know, people like Juan Williams on Fox continue to say, you know, Donald Trump simply perpetuated violence. And so did, as we get to the other big story of our time right now, so did social media application Parler, that they fomented and supported and allowed the organized violence that took place that day. Never mind the fact that if you were to go and look at all of the comments and suggestions about where to meet up and where to go protest in Washington, D.C., which is all it was, if you look at all of the comments that were shared on Twitter and on Facebook, they would dwarf the number of those that were on parlor because those two monolithic tech giants are still you know, 10 times the size of Parler, even with Parler's rapid, rapid growth. And more importantly, for the sake of consistency, if you were to look at all of the organized Antifa gatherings and riots and crimes committed against persons and property that were organized on Twitter and on Facebook over the last uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine months going back to last May. If you were to look at that, you will find all of the reasons you could possibly want to remove those fate or those social media applications from the internet. But they didn't do that. Why? Because they supported it. They supported that kind of rioting. The same kind of rioting that you see Time Magazine uh, supporting. Wait, what? Time Magazine and multiple, multiple other um, publications 
from the middle of 2020 headline when rioting is the answer. GQ, why violent protests work, June 20th, 2020, just six months ago. Why violent protests work. They're supporting it. It works. Vox, also this summer. Riots are destructive, dangerous, and scary, but can lead to serious social reforms. And the Chicago Tribune, if riots are not the answer, what is? All of these left-wing media outlets supporting rioting until it was done in part by Trump supporters. Suddenly, rioting is an impeachable offense. We'll talk more after the news on 1420 The Answer. Thirty-six. Now we continue. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Um, I just shared with you some headlines that I was reminded of from left-wing uh, publications. Time magazine earlier this summer. When rioting is the answer, they support rioting. How about that? Vox uh, uh, wrote why violent or a story. No, I'm sorry. This is GQ. But I'm going to get them in order. GQ said why violent protests work. That was from June of 2020. Vox riots are destructive, dangerous, and scary, but can lead to serious social reforms. And the Chicago Tribune, if riots are not the answer, what is? It's amazing all of these left-wing publications supporting rioting. And yet they are the ones who want people to be thrown and into Gitmo for going into the Capitol building as a part of that riot on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday last. As a matter of fact, one week ago today. I found all of those headlines on a post from my friend John Cardillo. And John Cardillo has been a frequent guest on this program, and we're uh, glad to have him back now. John is a former New York City Police Department detective and also a conservative television host. John, good to have you back on the air here in Cleveland. How are you, sir? Doing great, Bob. Good to be back with you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Well, I hope it's a happy New Year. It has not gotten off to a great yeah, start. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about impeachment in a moment. We'll talk about the ongoing witch hunt in a moment. We're going to talk about censorship and the First Amendment uh, online in a moment. But let's first talk about what made me call you and say, hey, John, let's chat. Is that post that you put up there reminding people? I, I mean, we have plenty of audio cuts of CNN and MSNBC, as well as elected Democrat officials doing the same thing. Praising rioting, praising violent protests. This is the voice of the unheard. This is what you do. We've seen, we've heard a lot of that, but I didn't see the headlines until you posted them. So, uh, c- can you speak to the unimaginable hypocrisy here as they want to impeach Donald Trump for inciting something, which, by the way, he did not do, but they want to impeach him for, in their world, inciting something that they themselves have so vociferously supported, John. Yeah, you know, Bob, the hypocrisy is blaring, right? And but when you when you point that hypocrisy out to the left, they call it whataboutism. That's their new favorite term. Oh, don't engage in whataboutism. Bad behavior doesn't excuse worse behavior. They, they want they have an excuse for everything. But like the left and their socialist policies, personal accountability and responsibility aren't among those things, right? Now, even worse. So we expect it of the left wing media, right? It's reprehensible. It's hypocritical. We expect it, but the corporations that Americans of all political persuasions patronize, well, think about what they did. When Black Lives Matter was out there destroying businesses, calling for cops to be killed, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, we want dead cops now, rioting, destroying cities. 
corporations started putting Black Lives Matter banners on their home pages. Every major league, uh, every, every professional sports league uh, celebrated Black Lives Matter branding on the field. I mean, Bob, when you do the, the analysis, the, the dollar and cent analysis, that's billions of marketing and PR for an organization that openly embraces Marxism, that calls for police officers to be murdered en masse, that's uh, a racist terrorist organization that rioted and destroyed cities, caused billions in damage. Donald Trump gives a speech. A few people out of 70-some-odd million, a few morons, storm the Capitol. Not only are, are, are they going to try to impeach Trump, what a scam, right? They're not worried about stimulus, the American people who struggled during COVID. They're going to try to impeach Donald Trump. But the corporation that embraced Black Lives Matter are now canceling Donald Trump his supporters, his employees, any platform that doesn't cancel Trump. We saw Parler and Amazon. There was just a news uh, uh, update during the break right here on this station we're on, talking about that lawsuit between Parler and Amazon. I mean, it is, this is so disgusting. And if people don't realize the left is out, they cancel everything about us, everything about us. They, they, they're really up for, in for a rude awakening. This is a very, very dangerous time we live in, Bob. It is exactly that. And, uh, John, just to kind of buttress the point uh, that you're making about how they're trying to cancel us, Forbes has run an article um, threatening yeah. any company that dares hire any Trump White House press secretaries. Um, they, they don't believe that Trump supporters, whether they be cabinet members, secretaries, uh, campaign volunteers, or anybody else, they don't believe they should be employed. They should be unemployable. They should be uh, not allowed into the public arena. They should be kicked to the corner and left there to die. And I'm not exaggerating that. They truly believe these people should not be able to generate income, starve, and, um, and, and, and do a penance, do a lifelong penance for the crime of supporting a man that, that the left did not like. This is, this is, John, AOC is calling for blacklists. Literally, let's find out everybody who supported him, put them on a list, and make sure they can't work anymore anymore it, it's crazy so i saw a tweet this morning and i forget the kid's name but there's a young guy in his very early 20s who by 20 years old when he was still in college rose to a very senior digital position in the trump administration but not a flamethrower not a bomb thrower he leaves the administration and goes to work in the pr and advertising field right out of college he's doing very well for himself didn't condone anything going on at the capitol nearly worked in the trump administration well, he tweeted this morning that an NHL team that was a client of the firm he's working for noticed on his LinkedIn that the Trump administration had threatened to pull their accounts if he wasn't, I'm sorry, Baba Lost, threatened to pull their accounts if he wasn't fired. A 20-something-year-old guy. So what does this company do? So now you've got a guy out of college who did nothing wrong except succeed at every job academically, who's universally regarded as a great employee and a, and a great young guy, is now blacklisted in the workforce because he worked for a presidential administration. This should send a chill down everyone's spine. I've never, I never thought I'd live in this country. John Cardillo is my guest. John is a former New York City police officer. He is also a conservative television host and political commentator. John, um, I did not see that tweet. That is, is bone chilling. No question about it. Um, I'm going to talk about how we got from election fraud. Let's stop the steal. 
uh, let's go to D.C., let's rally with the president and encourage, and in fact, the president's words were in his speech, cheer on our brave senators who are questioning, or, or yeah, who are questioning the, uh, uh, the uh, certification of this election. Uh, to how we went from there to this is a white supremacist march on Washington, D.C., and this was all about race. Nancy Pelosi said Trump supporters who did this chose their whiteness over democracy. Joe Biden said Black Lives Matter would have been treated much differently than the Trump thugs who were at Capitol Hill. You know that. Uh, Hank Johnson, Captain Guam himself from Georgia, said Trump supporters, he said, absolutely would have lynched black representatives on that day if the police hadn't stopped them, which I found hilarious. And then Don Lemon, from the media side, said his black butt, his words, would not have gone in because police would have beaten the crap out of him, whereas the white guys who did go in had no such fear. How did we go from, from you know, stop the steal and allegations of election fraud, which is divisive enough, to this is a racial movement? Well, first of all, a white woman was shot and killed by Capitol Police. So, so all of their arguments are, are nullified with that one data point. But, uh, you know, Hank Johnson to me is, is just a mentally challenged adult. I mean, I, I don't take anything. How his voters, his constituents keep voting this moron into office is beyond me and pretty much everybody else. Even prominent Democrats. I, I get to know a lot of people on both sides of the aisle like you. We interview them. But behind closed doors, they just shake their heads and they're like, he's one of the dumbest people we ever met. So I don't even listen to that yeah. guy. But. The, the, the bigger problem is Democrats are cohesive. Democrats, I tweeted something last night. Democrats moved left in response to their base. Republicans moved left in contempt of their base. The D.C. elite Republicans, the establishment Republicans, now have my attention. I've been meeting with uber high net worth donors here in Florida, Bob, nine-figure net worth donors, people that raised millions for the GOP, the NRCC, the NRSC. They won't give them a pay. They are motivated. There's a fire under their butts to fund non-establishment candidates to primary every one of these rhinos because they say, look, we don't have to condone everything Trump did. If you saw my timeline last couple of days, I was very critical of a lot of things Trump did. He wasn't hardcore enough in my eyes. But they are fed up with Republicans throwing their own under the bus while Democrats remain cohesive. So Democrats, not on that racism soundbite, it's nonsense. We know it's nonsense. This was about constitutionality and Americans just frustrated at the D.C. ruling class, but they make it about race again. And they know that corporate America is terrified to tackle the race issue. It's a very smart PR play on the part of the Dems, and they remain cohesive. They're a unified warrior front. What happens on our side? Liz Cheney, Kinzinger, uh, even McConnell whipping votes for impeachment. It's disgraceful. Republicans cave and capitulate every single time there's a hint of controversy. Democrats know how to fight. They know how to consolidate power. Republicans don't. And I'll tell you, it's going to be a reckoning, an awakening in terms of dollars and votes during those 22 Republican primaries, uh, the 2022 Republican primaries. John, I might disagree a little bit with when you say that Republicans always capitulate whenever the you know the left uh, comes for them and makes a play. Uh, this is what makes it frustrating to me, and really more aggravating, 
is that they don't. Sometimes they support the president. They did, and they fought against this nonsense in the Ukrainian impeachment. Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, and others were stalwart defenders of the president, and rightfully so. That's what makes this. They're, they're caving now, and McConnell saying, yes, he supports impeachment, and Graham saying, I'm done uh, with President Trump and others. It's when you have their previous staunch supporters uh, caving in after the fact. That, that, that's more dangerous to me than people who have been against him and who are never Trumpers who, who opposed him and wanted to get rid of him the first time around and this time around. Now he's lost people who previously were on his side. Well, I think it's a, it's a byproduct of political capital, right? After Trump allowed John Durham to do nothing, after Trump's disastrous personnel appointments, attorneys general that didn't want to do anything, he had nobody on his side. But I blame the GOP, and I've been very vocal about it, Bob. I blame Ronan McDaniel and the GOP. They sat on a quarter billion dollars they raised from donors to fight voter fraud. They did nothing. There are still lawyers waiting to be paid out there in the field. There are people that I know, investigators, that worked on this that can't get their expenses paid. And so they had, they were warned by many of us for two years, for two years, that voter fraud was a thing. They were given memos detailing exactly how it would happen. They did absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing to get in front of it. Now the president has no political capital. So Mitch McConnell is a political animal. The guy's existed 112 years in D.C. He knows how to read the tea leaves. Being a political animal, he knows Donald Trump has no political capital. The Dems have it all right now. That's why they're throwing Trump under the bus. And that's precisely what normal Americans hate about D.C., Normal Americans, you know, we're wonky guys, right? You and I are a rarefied crowd. We do this every day, as do the people in D.C. We talk about this, we research it, we study it. We have to, to make a living and pay the bills. The average American goes out there and they sit at their desk and they're a lawyer, a doctor, a carpenter, they're swinging a hammer. You know, they get their news and sound bites, but they don't care about this stuff as much as we do. They're, they care about feeding their families, about where they're going to take a vacation in the age of COVID, about their 401K, their dental insurance. They're looking at D.C., especially the Republican voters, saying they do not fight for us. Again, they're throwing their own under the bus. That's what I'm talking about. So we look at it through the lens of understanding the game. The average American looks at it as, I voted for you to fight for me. I supported the president, and you guys are giving in again. But McConnell did it because Trump is he is out of political capital zero. And it's very, very, yeah, very true. And, 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 you know, some who are close to McConnell, according to reports I've read this morning, say that it's not even about that. It's about we need to move on from him so that he does not come back and try to be the, you know, the albatross hanging around our necks in 2024. Uh, you know, that if Trump goes He's out there and can it. potentially run again. Well, I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't. I'm going to tell you why. No, I and, don't. I mean, Again, I'm with you on. I don't want him to run again. What I'm saying is, he's going to be an albatross around there next. Because look, I would bet a lot of money that he's going to start a pack. He's going to raise nine figures for that pack, and he's going to be an albatross around the establishment's neck. Not as a 2024 candidate. Although people close to him tell me 75 percent right now he wants to run in 24. That's going to change significantly in a couple of years. Totally, two years really. The cycle's going to start. And I, th- I think he can be a much bigger pain in the in the rear end of of liberals uh, if, uh, out of office than he could be oh, yeah. in again. I really do. I think they would. They're going to find out how powerful he is once he is out of office. Uh, John, let me ask one more question of you because I'm a little short on time here. Yeah. I wanted to get to the First Amendment issue here and what what uh, Amazon, Twitter, Facebook have done to Parler in deplatforming them, literally taking them off of their app stores on the uh, uh, phone providers part, and then of course uh, Amazon removing them from their servers. 2017, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, struck down a North Carolina law that banned convicted sex offenders from Facebook and other social media services that play a role, a vital role in modern life. Eight to nothing. 
They handed a victory to a sex offender named Lester Packingham, who had challenged the North Carolina law as a violation of the First Amendment guarantee of free speech. Eight to nothing. Uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy wrote, this case is one of the first this court has taken to address the relationship between the First Amendment and the modern Internet. As a result, this court must exercise extreme caution before suggesting that the First Amendment provides scant protection for access to vast networks in that medium. Eight to nothing, they said, you can't ban people from social media sites, even if it is to, quote, um, protect other citizens. This, that's not their quote. I'm, that's my air quotes. Uh, so if they, if they allowed sex offenders to get on Facebook and say you cannot ban them, then how on earth can they not allow Trump supporters on Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, because of perceived organizing of, of that riot in, uh, in DC a week ago? Well, how did Roger Stone get convicted on a 1001 false statement violation and Jim Clapper walked after lying to the American people about being spied on? There's two systems of justice here, but exactly right. And we know Facebook and Twitter and Google, they have deep coordinated relationships with our intelligence community, with our military. They've admitted with these Ugandan elections, I don't know if you saw the scandal, Uganda's now big backlash against Twitter. Twitter admitted they were coordinating with other government agencies around the world to, to monitor and influence, uh, those are my words, but to, uh, you know, uh, uh, monitor, uh, moderate the discourse of the Ugandan elections. They are absolutely a political speech platform. Look, there were other court rulings that said public officials cannot ban you or block you on social media. They are recognized political speech platforms, so it is ludicrous that they can ban the president of the United States or anybody for political discourse. And I think we need real reform. But the real problem, Bob, is they own politicians. Look, Mark Zuckerberg has been donating to Marco Rubio. I know Rubio. I've been down here in Florida in politics for 17 years. He's been donating to Rubio since 2013. They, I was at a party one night where Rubio was bragging about his text chain with with Mark Zuckerberg. The Republicans are owned by big tech as much as the Dems are. And that's troubling as well. By the way, I noticed that among the tens of millions of Twitter users, conservative Twitter users, who abandoned that platform when they banned President Trump, you were not among them. You're still on Twitter. How come? You know, because number one, parlor's down. But number two, we still need to have a voice. And the left still needs to know that there are people, I've got a pretty large following. They took 50,000 followers from me in the last uh, 10 days. I'm losing about 5,000 a day. But I'd stay on there because it is... That's one of the reasons so many people left, because they're doing that. They've been shadow banning and taking followers away from guys like you and me. I left six months ago. I quit Twitter before quitting Twitter was cool. Uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, that's one of the reasons why we left, not just because of the Trump situation. I want them to know we're still there, though. You know, I'll stay there until they kick me off, because the left needs to know we're not going away. And you know that's coming, right? They're going to kick you off. They're going to kick, they're going to kick yeah, off anybody who's ever supported you. Yeah, no question about it's it. Inevitable, John, John Cardillo, former New York City police officer, conservative television commentator. John, always a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Great to talk to you, my friend. Thanks. All right. That's uh, 953. We'll come back after this. Okay, okay, short one here. Uh, it's 9.58, so short segment here, but uh, second hour of the program is going to be all yours. We are guest-free from uh, now until 11 o'clock, so I want you to dial now get in line so you're first up on the other side at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you here. I want to talk about all of the above, and I'm going to give you more details on what I uh, said um, 
to uh, John Cardillo about the U.S. Supreme Court. The precedent may already exist to ban Twitter, Facebook, Apple, Google, and who am I missing? Apple, Google, and Amazon from completely deplatforming Trump users and deplatforming application companies like Parler. The Supreme Court said people cannot be removed from social media because they uh, because they may or may not pose a threat to other people. Now, this is a very bizarre case. That's why I'm going to spend more time on the other side. But it was very clear cut in their ruling. Eight to nothing in June of 2017. So just three years ago. We have, or three and a half years ago, we had the Supreme Court saying that convicted sex offenders cannot be barred from Facebook or Twitter or other social media applications, even if it meant protecting potentially other people from them. Well, if they can do that with the sex offender law that North Carolina had, then what will they say about banning people from communicating and coordinating with one another to attend Trump rallies under the very, very big stretch of opinion that says maybe they're coordinating to start a riot. I mean, this is this is a very, very important uh, revelation, and we're going to talk about that on the other side as well. But phone lines are open now, 216-901-0945. Join us.